This is scary. It's new. I never saw a body like that. There's gonna be a lot of late nights and overtime because of the brutal murder that happened in town. And I didn't want to set up expectations that I can't keep. Our expectations of you are very low. Spans the bites are gigantic. Same as the distance of the paw prints. It's a wolf. Or maybe it's a werewolf. No, let me just make this perfectly clear. There is no such thing as werewolves. Our killer is a guy, and I'm gonna find him, and I'm gonna kill And we're gonna bring him to justice. Welcome to Vague Zone. This is episode 13 of the podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Thomas, and with me always is... Daniel. And this week, what are we talking about, Daniel? This week, we are talking about Jim Cummings' new movie, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, Have you... So, did you see Thunder Road, his previous movie? So, you brought this up a few months ago when we first started doing these recordings. You mentioned Thunder Road, but I never got around to watching it. I watched the open. Okay. I watched the opening scene of it immediately after I finished this movie. Since oh, I yeah. enjoyed this movie so much, I was like, I need more of whatever he's got to offer. Okay, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like it's kind of impossible to talk about this movie without talking about Thunder Road, uh, because well, okay. First off, let's 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 do the synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can kind of reference. So the synopsis. Yeah, the synopsis from IMDb: Terror grips a small mountain town as bodies are discovered after each full moon. Losing sleep, raising a teenage daughter, and caring for his ailing father, Officer Marshall struggles to remind himself there's no such thing as werewolves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like I like that synopsis or not, because the movie is is a good, like, cryptic journey towards a lot of I don't know, a lot of good character moments and it's not quite exactly what it seems to be at a glance. And so yeah, I think it's a Yeah, great watching the trailer watching the trailer I definitely got the vibe that this was gonna be more of a horror movie yeah um this ends up being more of like a whodunit with like i mean obviously there's a horror aspect if if all these murders are happening <laughs> during a full moon and there's like a, a, a werewolf thing going on yeah. but um yeah it really ends up feeling like more like, like you're just following the police officers you're following john marshall in particular as he's trying to solve this case and while his uh the stress of the case and of other things going on in his personal personal life are just kind of taking over his mind and oh boy does the stress take over <laughs> yeah yeah I, um, I, so yeah what, what what were your thoughts oh i straight up i was gonna say this is one of my favorite movies of the year i don't know if it's my top five okay. i don't know if it's my top five but it was definitely one of my more enjoyable screenings since i went in entirely blind i actually kind of enjoy that i knew very little about thunder road and jim cummings and just kind of dove into this because I, the cast is fantastic the tone is great fargo is one of my favorite movies of all time and so this kind of has some similar qualities it's not a, a straight ripoff but it's, it's a good kind of like homage and it's aware of just like that kind of dark comedy slash violent like uh, storyline i think it does that really well and so yeah i think this movie is great yeah um so like i said it's kind of hard to talk about this without thunder road um, I guess we should mention for the listeners that like Jim Cummings, he is the writer, he's the director, and he's also the star of this movie. Yeah. He plays John Marshall. Um, I feel like this is, I'm going to try and get all my Thunder Road stuff out of the way at the beginning because I don't want to just keep re- referring to it all the no, time. No, yeah, totally. That's cool. But, um, but uh, I feel like when I watched Thunder Road, I came away from that movie absolutely in love with it, feeling like I needed to tell everyone I knew about it. Um, I think I've seen it like 
I, I watched it pretty early into quarantine, and I think it's probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, it came out in, I think, 2018. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I've watched it like three times since then. I, <laughs> okay. I watched it with my parents and like, I was like crying when I watched it with my mom. Okay. Um, but, uh, it's a very, it's a, it's basically the same character. Uh, in both movies, he plays a police officer who, um, he has like, a a missing parent, uh, in the first movie, he doesn't seem to have any relationship with his dad. I don't, I don't remember where the dad is, but the opening scene is at his mom's funeral. Yeah. In this movie, his mom abandoned him when he was a child, and his father is sick, so he's dealing with um, the fear of loss right there. Yeah. Um, in both movies, he plays a police officer who is divorced and has like a very kind of conflicted relationship with his ex-wife. Uh, he has a very strained relationship with his daughter in both movies. Um, and also, it's kind of just this very strange ball of energy that like like it's like a light switch when you just like will go from very like dark and emotional and morose and then like will say something very comedic or like really silly or yeah. offhanded on a dime he'll pivot yeah to something and else. so the, yeah. the back and forth is just like mesmerizing to watch and so yeah that opening scene of thunder road is is like masterful that slow slow push in. it is so so you know that movie <laughs> i feel like we're just gonna talk about thunder road a lot but um so that movie started off as a short film, yeah. Uh, and you could watch the short film on Vimeo, which is it's it's an alternate version of the opening scene of the feature. Totally. Um, and he like screened it at Sundance, and I think he won awards there. Yeah, then kickstarted a, it or whatever. Yeah, and I think for a long time he was saying that like it's not going to be a feature. I can't make a feature out of Thunder Road. Like if I do, that'll have to be the climax. And how would I work my way up to something like that? I feel like it would just be boring. So instead, what he ended up doing was he just made that the first scene, and it's like, okay, well, what is this guy's life like outside of this opening scene, outside of the short film, basically? Is he? I, um, well, I didn't finish Thunder Road, but it, like I was gonna ask, like, is he an alcoholic in that movie also? Uh, he has like one severe drinking scene, but I don't think he's an alcoholic in that movie. Okay, I think that's that's um, the reason why I like this movie so much is because I, it's it's one of those like allegories that I think is just really well done visually like there's like that kind of idea of yeah when someone is like blacking out they kind of go into this weird kind of state where they don't know but i think this movie depicts that on screen in such a fantastic way with the editing and like the combination of the whodunit kind of happening and like the time skips it just kind of the pacing just it it, it hit me very well (laughs) yeah i feel like it's pretty well paced it does this interesting thing where um so when these murders happen it might cut back and forth between the murder taking place and what is happening the next day, yeah. <laughs> basically, when when the police realize that someone has been murdered. Um, which is interesting. It's interesting to see, like, this cross-cutting happening through time, kind of. Um, yeah, definitely. But it works really well dramatically. <clears throat> um, I think this movie was also written... It might have been written before the feature of Thunder Road. I think it was, like... He did the short, he was in denial about whether or not he could make a feature of Thunder Road, and then he probably had, like, this character in his mind and decided he wanted to do a genre thing, and he ended up writing this. Okay. Um, I, I think that's the case. I'm pretty sure this was written before Thunder Road. Um, yeah, I can't, yeah, we're, I can't and, wait to watch that, because, yeah, I was a, I was a big fan of this. Yeah, and I think we're, try- we're trying really hard to avoid spoilers right now. Yes. But, um, yeah. yeah, maybe we should uh, just sum up act one yeah i had uh uh, just 
uh, one more. I think I had another just very vague thing I was going to mention. Um, okay, yeah, let's just talk about Act One. All right. So the movie opens with this couple. They're on vacation in Snow Hollow. Um, and they're eating at a restaurant. They have an encounter with uh, one of the locals. He uses uh, a slur for gay people. And it kind of sets off the, the man in the relationship. Uh, we get this... Um, we get a line where he kind of alludes to his brother that is like brother's gay and so that word really sets him off yeah so he has like this a little bit of a you know conflict with this local um it gets resolved like peacefully they end up going back to their i guess it's like an airbnb or something yeah. they're like renting some some property and when his his he, he he wants to propose to his girlfriend he's like um He's in the house. He he's opening a bottle of wine. There's no knives in the knife rack, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like that little. <clears throat> so detail. he ends up, yeah. So he ends up pulling out a chopstick and like shoving it into the top of the wine <laughs> bottle, which really creeped me out. I, I would never do this. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was a, he... <laughs> a very interesting tactic. I feel like <laughs> that's something the actor just pulled out, and because I I like this actor a lot, and he went to ASU, and like I feel like that was like, a total ASU type of move. <laughs> it's like just punch a chopstick into the wine bottle bro it but he like <laughs> brings his like panned palm down on top of this chopstick yeah, like it's just it. like yeah. it feels like it's just gonna impale it yeah. but uh yeah he gets the wine bottle open uh he's like cleaning up him and his wife him and his um uh, his girlfriend have a romantic night later on he's in the shower i think she's wandering around outside i forget what she's doing but um she ends up being attacked by some some sort of beast we assume um yeah. i don't think we actually see anything but we do we see... the sequence does end on a footprint yeah we see like some limbs in the, like like a bloody kind of mess in the snow that the guy uh pj kind of reacts to and he like freaks out but then we zoom in on uh, a paw print that is like reflecting the full moon in it so yeah we kind of just like go into that shot and so that's like our first like hint of okay this is getting little supernatural here yeah it's very clear like okay we're in a werewolf movie yeah <laughs> like uh so from there we go to we get introduced to john marshall and he is at an aa meeting um and he says uh he's been in the program for six years he's been sober for three um and he explains that he has you know him and his wife are divorced and blah 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 um it he's looking upstairs there seems to be some sort of commotion upstairs that is distracting him and eventually it is kind of silent upstairs there's like some phone ringings but there's no he doesn't hear any people anymore and he looks at his phone and no one has contacted him um it, he's a police officer so it it um turns out this is taking place in the basement of the police station and something big has happened and he has been left out of it um so then that's when we get introduced to the crime scene uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is the the first time they visit the crime scene at this Airbnb. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, is I'm trying to remember exactly because yeah, it kind of jumps around a little bit. Like I was totally sucked in on the second and third incidents that happened, but yeah, before that, uh, it's it's a little yeah, bit. I feel like the first the first incident isn't that big. Yeah, the first incident like. isn't that big. It, it just more establishes that. Um, the witnesses are like really standoff, like he's really aggressive and kind of standoffish and just wants to kind of be done with it. I think that's the main thing that they're establishing at that point. I think, I think there is a joke where it's like one of the police officers 
I think someone in the media says, or, or, or a person standing by says, oh, we heard there was an oil or a, a chemical spill. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. One of the, and he's like, who told you that? And then one of the police officers has to confess, yeah, I told her that. Gotcha. Yeah, so he's just um, like at this crime scene, and basically everyone's kind of like giving him different information from different <laughs> different people are talking to him at the same time and he's just like trying to just handle the situation and so i just appreciate the the realistic the realistic side of kind of just dealing with a very chaotic crime scene and yeah there's just like the owners coming back but they don't want the owner to come back in and so they're like holding him off and they're just trying to get the trying to get like information and then his dad is just like was it sexual in nature? He's kind of like trying to break it down in his old like sheriff yeah. mind, but they're like, yo, there's too many pieces missing. Like there's literally not enough yeah. human here to do like the correct amount of forensics. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. holy shit. And then, well, he says, yeah. he says, uh, was she sexually assaulted yeah, or something yes, yeah, like yeah. that? And he's like, come on, I'm, I might be old, but I can take it. Like, let me know. And they're like, look, that part of the crime scene is missing. Yeah. It's like, dude. Uh, it's like, and then that's when he, he like recoils. <laughs> Yeah, because he, he gets back inside the truck and he's like, I thought this was a car accident. And and then, like, yeah, it's just like this, the scene of him. Um, yeah, we should mention, yeah, Robert Forrester is fantastic as uh, yeah. sh- as Sheriff Hadley, as uh, James's, yeah, no, John's dad. And so, yeah, he has, yeah. like, this really, like, old guard kind of vibe. And event- I think this is in the first act when they go back and he, like, tells him this old story about, like, uh, stopping a bank robbery and, and then like yeah he's kind of doing that thing where he's like yes I've heard the story thousands of times but this is totally different yeah and yeah I feel like this this opening crime scene kind of just serves to introduce all of our our variety of police officers um you know we have uh Robert Forster who's John's father we have uh Ricky Lindholm who plays detective julia and she's like the way more competent one um yeah and i think she's kind of underused in this movie a little bit if i have to say um we'll we'll get to that okay. because i have some things to say okay <laughs> um but uh I, maybe once we get more into spoilers okay but, um, totally yeah and then we just get introduced to like the more bumbling idiot uh officers this movie takes kind of a weird approach to the police um yeah i feel like both his movies do where i i guess it's they, they mostly come out as pro <laughs> police uh in the sense that they're like they're humanizing them they're acknowledging them as them as people with faults um with exterior stressors that may inhibit their ability to do their job well um but it also he doesn't shy away from showing them also be you know, if if these are just normal people, then sometimes these normal people are fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the thing that I like the most about the dark comedy of this movie. It mostly is drawn from uh, John's just like complete contempt for the rest of the staff, and so yeah, they're, he's just screaming at them, just like, "Yo, do your fucking job!" And like, yeah, when he snaps, I think that's just like it's really cathartic for me. <laughs> I was just like, "Damn!" Like, it reminds me of those rough customer service days where I just wish you could just tell you how it really is if you wanted to talk to your your coworkers. he goes over the the line a lot of times but yeah he's he's just like ripping into people at this at this crime scene um so this is a weird movie to talk about because it's like i don't know where the first act ends <laughs> like when we say the first act ends uh, okay let's maybe just keep i think i maybe know maybe it's when there's the second death but uh yeah I would maybe agree. that's when it feels like the shit hits the fan but yeah later on him and the police officers they're in a diner and they're discussing the case and we get a cutaway 
where we just see this cabinet in a house it like we should see like an oven surrounded by cabinets and the camera is just slowly moving towards it yeah and it's the uh what this is meant to signal is that like this is something john is thinking about um he is stressed out and now he's thinking about something else um uh we later realize i don't know if this is a spoiler but we later realize this cabinet is where he keeps his alcohol um so you know we know he's an aa he's struggling with his alcoholism now he's being tempted because of the stress of the case yeah and i think it's i yeah i guess it's we're gonna get to that territory right now i i really find it interesting when he goes to it for the first time he pulls it out and it's not a complete six-pack and there's just like there's only two beers mm. left and i was like, i didn't pick that up yeah i was just like okay so like are we kind of catching this like you know in the second quarter of him like kind of like rebounding out of like of his sobriety or is this like like I was really kind of I was like, who drank those other beers? If it's just him and his daughter there, it's like it was he like yeah. was he like kind of slipping before this movie started, and then it kind of like got back. I was like, I thought that was a really interesting detail. And if it's like if he has slipped before, that means that he was able to contain himself that he didn't finish that whole six pack. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, just, um, I like the the drinking in this movie is just like, the way it escalates is just absolutely insane. But yeah, like. That that first shot of him taken out, I was just like, "Oh no! Like, is this is not good, John?" And so, yeah, it's it's a good little moment when we slowly push into that that kitchen area, and it becomes a, a kind of important little area for him later. Yeah, we kind of cut back to it a few times throughout the movie before he decides to actually open it up. Yeah. Um. The the second time we like kind of uh, what what do you call push in on this yeah. cabinet? is uh after the second crime so the second crime we get uh introduced to this snowboarding instructor and it felt like we kind of spent an unusual amount of time with her um and i think maybe that is to sort of create this false expectation that she's going to be a larger character yeah um i don't know how you felt about that yeah but, i um, thought that's kind of what they were doing i i sense there was maybe some like budget limitations with just how they kind of just stuck with this one character and the way that it was shot is kind of, I say low budget, when they're at the snowboarding little scene, like, it's just on her. We don't get any, like, reaction shots to the, like, the kids she's, like, talking to. Even what she, like, says a joke to yeah. one of them. But I was like, okay, we're just going to be focusing on her. And then she goes, um, she goes. Well, to... then immediately after that, she's at the, she's, like, eating with these people. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she's. And then, like, uh, there's a fireplace behind her. And she's like chatting with them. They're like laughing, and the camera is slowly pushing in on her. And the it almost feels like the sound of the fire becomes part of the score. Yeah. yeah. Um. And she like looks at the camera, and you could tell she's bothered by whatever it is she's seeing. So it it's supposed to be like a POV shot. We are looking through the eyes of someone who has caught her attention, and she's not happy about it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point because yeah, I was kind of interested about like, I was trying to decipher exactly what that shot was trying to communicate but yeah as you mentioned that i'm like yeah there's definitely like voyeurism happening when we're introduced to these characters and it i felt it so much more when we earnest you to the third to the third murder but yeah this one i think is is just a really great sequence because yeah she ends up leaving like leaving the cabin and she's like on the way home is that when she encounters counters the <laughs> the beast she's she's on the way she's on the way to meet some guy like we get a, we oh, get yeah, a, she has a brief this, yeah yeah, we get a brief exchange of between her and like a friend or a coworker where uh, her friend is upset at her to that because she's going to meet some guy that like um, 
I guess, doesn't treat her right, which is interesting. Yeah. And it feels like that has, like, the first time I saw this, so I had an interesting conversation with Emily right before we started recording this because I watched it with her. Yeah. Um, She believes this movie is primarily about misogyny. Um, I think it's primarily about alcoholism. Um, Okay. okay. I think. Um, But I think it is very interesting. I hadn't even thought about this until now, uh, that this woman is leaving to go meet a guy, a guy who supposedly doesn't treat her very well, um, but that she is, like, kind of settling for because he's the only person who has shown interest in her. Yeah, it's a small town, um, and she, like, that's a line. She's like, yeah, like, well, if you can't find someone for me, then, you know, then don't then don't criticize this guy. And so... Yeah. That's, so, a, good, yeah, she's that's a really good point. Now that Emily's note is in my mind, I'm thinking about other scenes in this movie from a different lens. And so, yeah, I, I would partially agree yeah especially with the way that yeah um ricky's character is kind of treated yeah like i i i I definitely saw that as something that was at play in the movie um but yeah because yeah to me the first thing i like i guess my reading was more obvious which is just like what is the story of a werewolf movie which is a story of a person who you know at night they become a monster they do some terrible shit. The next morning they wake up not knowing what they did the previous night, but they did hurt some people and they've got to figure out how to sort of destroy that demon within. Precisely. That is that is the story of alcoholism. Yeah. Um, and so we are constantly contrasting um, John, John's own alcoholism with... It, it, it's like this inner turmoil has become... Ex, has manifested itself externally in a way that is affecting the town. Um, and this is not a spoiler, by the way. I'm not saying John is the wolf man or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But but um, there is like a mirror thing happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think once we've uh, discussed all the spoilers, we can get more into the misogyny aspect of it because I think there's a lot of really interesting points to be made there. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, um, so I guess we're on the second murder right now. Yeah, the second murder okay. still, yeah. So yeah, I think this is kind of where the movie just like, kind of skyrocketed for it me it feels a like bit. it pivots yeah yeah because i like it's ah, let me pause for a second okay so yeah the thing about horror movies and like showing the monster and like the the reveal is always like really big and a lot of times some people say that could break the movie and i guess are we getting into spoiler territory talking about this particular scene because like we get like a pretty like clear shot of what's happening yeah, yeah. Up, well, up, we until, this, uh... up until this point, we see, we get we get a clear view of the menace that has been terrorizing this Yeah, town. we get a fucking werewolf standing on his hind legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like that that shot, and is it is like, a cool shot. Yeah, because she's like a few yards away from a car from a car, and there's like some like a little bit of a blood trail, and then yeah, like he just turns and like stands up, and it's just like this. He insane. stands up. He drop he drops her arm because yeah. he's torn her arm off. And there's a full moon in the background. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's such a cool wide. It, it feels like a fighting game or something like that, the yeah, way dead, these characters are oriented. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a very cool shot. And then, um, I don't think I don't think we're necessarily into spoiler territory yet. Yeah, not quite. Uh, not quite. <laughs> but uh, the next, the following scene is about the second crime scene. Um and how does he find out? Is this when he's with his ex-wife and his daughter? Is that when he finds out that another murder has happened? And he's at the diner? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember because I think I'm getting it a little bit mixed up. But yeah, he's at the diner with the, with, the, with his 
ex-wife and the daughter and then yeah he's just like i haven't been around because i've been dealing with this first one and then yeah yeah this brutal murder yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he says yeah his deliveries uh, are, are great yeah like it's one of those things when you have uh, a director and a writer and an actor all in one piece he kind of looks like he nails those like inflections just so perfectly uh i heard an interview with him where he says he doesn't think of himself as a good actor yeah so yeah. because he is the lead in these movies he just rehearses for like months and months and months before it it's time for production yeah i read that um, in a comment on a ama that he did and i was okay, like maybe that's maybe that's when i heard yeah, where i thought yeah possibly um but yeah we get the second crime scene which is a long take sequence uh and the way the score feels it's kind of like bouncy kind of like jumpy and it does this thing where it almost feels it feels really stressful but it also feels like it's accentuating the the comedy of the scene yeah a lot of awkward a lot of awkward laughs that kind of happen when he's just completely just tearing into these other cops as the entire crime scene is just like this this thing that's just like it's happening actively but he just can't keep a lid on it yeah and he's so overwhelmed the news van shows up it's not supposed to be there it's supposed to be further down the the road um, we get this great moment where uh, one of the cops who's in the car is like on the phone with someone. He's on the phone with and, the coroner. Yeah, and he like shouts out at John, like they're saying it's a wolf. <laughs> and we get this shot where like John is standing in the foreground, the news van is in the background, the camera pans slightly to the news van, or it like comes into focus. Yeah, yeah. And then we just see the news van window rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And, yeah, and then yeah. and I love the small scene right after that when he's just like talking to the other officer and he's just like, yeah, yeah, just, just come talk with me over here for a second. Just, just come over here. And then he just just starts just like swinging at him. I'm just like, oh yeah, he's God. just like beating the shit out of him. Yeah, 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 I love that. Well, it's so like the much. other guy. The other guy tries to take a punch at him, right? And then like he just like gets thrown into the snow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think maybe at this point is when we start delving into. The movie escalates a little bit more, and I mean, it's hard to say that we ever get into spoiler territory until like the very end of the movie. True, but um, yeah, because I, there is a large spoiler in this movie. Definitely, yeah. I guess we're gonna just kind of creep towards it because yeah, yeah. After this, we're, we're gonna talk about the whole damn thing the way we usually do. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> um, so after the second crime scene, is that when they have the 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 meeting inside when uh. When, what is her character name? When uh, Julia is showing her the pictures of the research that she's been doing. And they have like that uh, kind of like back and forth. Well, not the back and forth, where they have the two different versions of like, okay, I'm going to kind of oh, talk. Oh, yeah. That, I think that happens yeah. right after this scene. Because uh, we get, yeah, they're like having a meeting. Uh, the cop who leaked information to the news by yelling, they're saying it's a wolf, um, gets him an apology basket and John decides to fire him instead. Um, and so he kind of blows up at these people. Um, I forget what he says. He says, but like one of the guys whispers something and John is like, what did you say? And he was like, I said, you have anger issues. And John's like, I think you said something else. And the guy's like, no. Yeah, yeah, I think you like... <laughs> like the guy very confidently tells him what he was whispering. But anyways, like, John kind of blows up at this guy. Uh, his dad takes him out of the room to, like, give him a talking to. 
And when they come back in, Julia kind of takes command of the meeting. And she does a much better job of it. She, like, immediately, like, makes a joke about Teen Wolf to, like, sort of ease the tension and to, like, address the elephant in the room, um, the wolf in the room. <laughs> yes. And then she, like, dives into uh, showing them the photographs of the bodies and explaining what she's learned through the investigation. Yeah, there's a, a great little beat when she does the Teen Wolf joke and they're like, they always laugh until the pictures come out. And then she like pulls out the like the crime yeah. scene pictures. Yeah, it's just a really so good like, delivery. Yeah, it's showing that she has like a really solid command over how to work a meeting yeah. <laughs> with these people. Um, there's another scene. I, I'm, is it earlier in the movie or is it later when she there's a there's a man putting up a um like a marquee or something like that out front of a grocery store about like the wolf of snow hollow basically yeah and julie is trying to get the man to take the sign down because it's it's it, it reflects poorly on the police and he's refusing to do it he says something like oh i don't I don't decide what goes up. Derek decides what goes up. I'm just doing my job. Like, I'm just the one who puts the sign up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she says, oh, is that your car over there? Oh, it's a nice car. Yeah, the uh, plates are expired, though. And then so that's when the guy is like, okay, he's willing to play ball because he yeah. doesn't want to. She gives him like a, a very, you know, mild threat, basically. Yeah, it's a nice little a little nudge. And so, so I feel like, like that's. You're not, not going to respect me. You're like, okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to tighten the belt a little bit. Yeah, and so I feel like I think that that scene actually is between the um, the second crime scene where John is like beating up the cop, and this scene where they're having the meeting, and so I think it kind of functions as like an interesting contrast point to show like this is how he deals with not getting what he wants. Um, he like beats a guy up, and then later on he fires him. Versus Julia, like, makes this mild threat that she doesn't follow up on, but, like, she gets what she needs to get out of this person. And she's able to actually, like, get the attention of uh, all the other officers when she's holding this meeting and, like, get them on her side. Yeah, that's a great um, point. Yeah, that's a really good uh, juxtaposition. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to mention there's, there's, like, two things that are, like, kind of key right after that meeting. Well, at least in the meeting they talk about that the killer is not leaving a lot of evidence behind. And so they're like, they're kind of struggling to just get full, clear answers on this. There's like jokes about it being a, a wolf or a werewolf, but but John is like not having it. He keeps saying like, yo, that's make-believe. That's not real. Yeah, there's this no is, such thing. He like, he does a very, like the classic, like he's tapping on the tables. Like, this is a man. Like, this is like, this is a human. This, this is a dude and we're going to find him. And so, yeah, they there's like just a, a good like, play of like just straight up like the audience says uh, me i was like okay i'm convinced this is a werewolf so yeah like john is yeah wrong. absolutely i mean we movie, fucking like, saw john... we fucking saw the werewolf yeah yeah absolutely 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 so yeah at this point i was like yo john is very wrong and he's just going to like kind of keep going down this path of destruction and then right after that we have the scene with him and his daughter and he's like telling her to like just to keep the pepper spray on her like at this time because things are just like, kind of escalating yeah uh <laughs> And she tells him, like, he says he got it for her, like, communion or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or, and, like, she's like, you know, it's a weird gift to give someone, right? Yeah. Um, and the whole scene is really interesting because he's, like, talking. He comes in and's like, hey, do you need help with that, that like, whatever homework? And she, she's like, no, this is a different type. And she, like, doesn't need Oh. <laughs> and she says something about, like, 
are you just doing this because your mom left you and you feel like you need to prove her wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, I'm, look, we're just talking about math homework. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, their their back and forth is really great. And I just like... I thought we were having a normal conversation. Yeah. Like, there are none of those in this movie. <laughs> but yeah, after um, after that, that's when he uh, brings the evidence back to PJ. Okay. So yeah, he... So yeah, this is when we start getting shots of like a man doing drugs. Yeah. Um, and so we're we're definitely definitely in a spoiler territory now. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we start getting these shots of the man doing drugs, and we get the sense that he is the killer. <laughs> like I don't know what this is supposed to communicate, except that he is the killer, right? Yeah. For a movie kind of like this, they sort of set it up as like, all right, we're getting a little like Carcosa, like a <laughs> true detective kind of vibe, where we're just seeing a very grimy, often dangerous looking place where illicit things are happening and it's just like okay the investigation's happening on this one side of the movie and then we're getting just very quiet cuts and returns to this this space where just very it just feels very eerie and very dangerous yeah it's very sinister and it's like it's doing the hitchcock thing of giving us more information than the characters have yeah and it's like so we have to think that this information is relevant to the story so totally. um and so uh, I think we could. We're in spoiler territory, so we could say it's it's kind of not. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, yeah. And... That, that that part of it is a little inter- is a little strange, but I I don't know. I think I like the everything as a whole, so it didn't quite bother me. I don't. I feel like it might have bothered you a little bit more than it bothered me. Um. I mean, I have some yeah conflicting perspectives about this movie, uh, but we'll get into it once we like kind of wrap up. I feel like. Cool. Um. So yeah. Once. So like you said, they they decide to revisit his name is pj yeah uh and they're returning evidence to him um and he has to like sign to say that he received it um and so they return the evidence and pj kind of has a breakdown he said like he didn't want it they could have just called him to ask if he wanted it and just before they leave his house pj tells john um if you find that man i want you to shoot him until you can see the ground through his face yeah, really gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch uh, uh, American Vandal? Yeah, I did. It's really interesting that it's the same guy. Yeah, I, I like the casting choice a lot because I think he's gone a little bit of, like kind of with type, but also just the I don't know. The he's genre, a great actor. Yeah, the genre is also just like a little bit different for him, so I, I, I really appreciate him. I like that when he's giving that line, he's like wrapping uh, a like the power cord around a lamp. It yeah, like, feels like he's like gonna strangle this lamp yeah yeah i thought he's gonna like throw it or something i was just like like, it's just a weird choice yeah um yeah but after that that's when we get the diner scene which is i think is like one of my favorite small moments small like moments of the movie where you have it's the third victim and it's kind of setting up what well not like it's not setting up what's going to happen basically we get a scene of a mom and a daughter in a diner and she's kind of having a really innocent little meal and then a stranger kind of comes in and sits next to her and just like asks a lot of questions that are just like yeah. mostly kind of like about the daughter and like what school like she's going to be going to. And like the mom is kind of just being like polite and just kind of like brush him off. And th- the shot is just like locked in on her like the entire time. Yeah. And so we don't see this other person. Yeah. yeah. And what I, one thing I think is interesting is that <clears throat> she takes out her headphone to talk to him. She's initially wearing two headphones and she's like working on a laptop, but she takes out one headphone to like answer his questions, but then he just keeps going. And so she like has to keep the headphone out 
to like be polite, I guess, um, until she's able, she gets served her food and she's able to make up an excuse about like, oh, there's onions in my sandwich. I have to go take this back. And she's able to get away from him in which, and at that point he leaves. Um, yeah. And then he crosses frame and it's just like a, a really tall dude with an orange hoodie yeah, like on. Yeah, skinny man. And it's that, that moment gave me <clears throat> chills. I was just like, okay, that's, I just like the, the camera work in that scene a lot. And yeah, just yeah. sticking with her throughout the entire scene, which is a really strong choice. Yeah, she turns around and he's gone. Um, I was a little nervous that he was going to like take the child or something. Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but yeah, I think I think that headphone thing is interesting because uh, I've heard so many women complain about like if I have my headphones in, don't bother me. Like if I had my headphones in on Muni, like why are you trying to talk to me? Sort of thing when like guys are hitting on them. Yeah, totally. Um, and her character and is so... just like in- incredibly polite for the situation and. Unfortunately, she is far too polite to the wrong person. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, it just, yeah. When we get to why this movie is about misogyny, I think this is relevant to that. Totally. Um, and she ends up being the third victim. Yeah. Um, Be- before... she, but, but, well, yeah, but before that happens, yeah. she goes to the police to, to say, like, oh, I had this encounter with this man. Uh, I'm sure it was him. Um, she says she knows he was a local because he said y'all. Um, she says he smelled like photography chemicals, which was yeah. weird. Um, which we later learn what that means. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get this sort of montage of all of these different people come like being questioned and um, coming in telling stories about who they think it might be. And so basically, yeah, the, the town is going mad with paranoia. Yeah. There's also, we haven't mentioned it, but there's been like, yeah, just shots of like newscaster kind of just like also giving us some in-world narration, just mm-hmm. like the the hometown perspective. It's like, yeah, like it's rumors of this, it's rumors of a wolf. And so, yeah, every once in a while we kind of cut back to that. But yeah, after that scene, um, yeah, he kind of uh, has the moment with his dad where he like, is like yo like you really need to retire like you're like like you're in you're involved in this case and you really shouldn't be yeah it's revealed that his father has a heart murmur um so yeah like john is pressuring him like just work from home and no one's gonna give a shit if you work from home but his father just can't let go he can't accept that uh you know it's time to hang up hang up his hat so to speak um he he said he says something along the lines of like oh you know my generation we we can't get off the stage. And he, he makes a point about like Willie Nelson still doing concerts. And John's like, well, Willie Nelson's a guitar player. He's yeah. Not really doing heavy police work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Great line. And yeah, he kind of just, t- he tries to bench him, but he, do- he does not listen. And yeah, immediately after that, we get this third, third murder, which is just like, just, I think the most brutal one that we see. Um, I'm trying to remember like what we actually see in this scene okay well this one is interesting to me because it's cross cut with him kind of at the i think yeah it's like cross cut with him at the corner yeah and he's like getting in the corner's face because the corner is like kind of like talking about yeah like it's like a wolf and then yeah the john's just like yo no like that's not the case and he, he like starts to like strangle him or something yeah like it's like the part where he like yeah he's like grabbing onto him because like oh so the he he's giving him shit about like not having enough evidence. He's telling him like you gotta like 
go to the diner or something like that and he's like this is not my job like yeah, your everyone, job is yeah. to catch the murderer yeah everyone else and then is like amateur sleuthing. yeah everyone else is like oh yeah. i could have solved this i could have solved this and then he keeps hearing that and he's just like no that's that's not what's going yeah. down yeah everyone's then, like i think at his aa meetings he oh, i think this is a little later but at one of his aa meetings he talks about like how uh, the wife of one of the people there is like posting shit on social media. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> stop posting shit. Yeah. yeah, but I was gonna say uh, the the third uh, the third the third murder is I think the most brutal one because it starts with like this deer that is in the middle of the road, and so mm-hmm. the mom is driving. It has a the bloody da- handprint on. Yeah, it. the mom is driving the daughter home, and she like gets out and like coyly walks up to the deer and like inspects it, and then turns around and then we get a, a another shot of the wolf just kind of like almost like not even fully standing but almost fully standing and it's like menacing near the car and yeah she like freaks out and then he's like biting her and like clawing at her and then we're getting that shot with john like at at the corner and i, I just thought that was a really good choice yeah like we just cut straight to the chase yeah. um and then after that we get the funeral scene and john is now drinking during the funeral yeah, um, it's getting way out of hand. Yeah, we get another investigation scene where that bloody handprint that was on the deer has been cut off of it. Yeah. and Very neatly uh, in a nice square. Yeah, it's like a nice square. And um, one of the cops is saying something about like how the victim was like an unlicensed hunter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this is just like an unlicensed hunter. And he's like, no, come over here to this to this corpse on the ground and say, and tell, tell <laughs> yeah. that to me, right? And he's like smiling while he does it. Yeah, just like, just some of his line readings just like, just were so good. I, I, I enjoy him as an actor. I think he should have more confidence in, in himself as an actor. <laughs> yeah. And so after this third, this third murder is when he really, really descends into drinking uh, to the point where he is drinking a bottle of Listerine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a part in this that like really kind of got me and made me like really care for him is when he's he's doing the like the drinking thing alone in his kitchen, and he's like sipping a beer and he slips and falls on his oven door. Oh yeah. And like shatters. I've never seen I've never seen anything like that in a movie and it looked it was really good. <laughs> yeah, I was just like that's just like just, just some good filmmaking show don't tell. Like there are some parts where he does traditional just like alcoholic things in the night but like that one was like okay that's like original and like just straight up believable because he's a he's a big dude and so yeah i wonder if that was inspired by something because it feels like such a specific like type of accident to happen yeah i don't know i just wrote that the alcoholism in this movie just feels very tangible and very real and and i've seen it depicted in movies endlessly and so i think it it does it in an original way i think here um, but yes, after this third murder, uh, John starts to hit the library and he's Pulling doing all werewolf. sorts of, yeah, he's ter- doing all sorts of research on werewolves. Um, he has this conversation with Julia, um, when they're just like sitting in a car and he tells her, you know, he learned that werewolves, obviously they don't exist. They were always just men who kill women. Um, he said maybe because they hated them or something. And the only reason it happened during a full moon was because there was enough light to, you know, sneak around at night and kill someone. Um, And he says something along the lines of, like, do you think women have had to put up with stuff like this since, like, the Middle Ages? And she just kind of gives him a look. She doesn't say anything. She just looks at him. And then he just, and then he just keeps talking. (laughs) And then he's just like, 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, anyway, he didn't like take the bodies or anything. So uh, these were, I guess, kind of just like the thrill of the hunt or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, that's when we get the the bottle to throw it into the window. Um, well, I think the bottle happens earlier, but the bottle when the bottle gets thrown at the window, that is like the that was like the most effective jump scare for me like i totally like jumped totally. out of my seat um oh, yeah that does come earlier I'm, yeah i'm getting it a little mixed um but yeah we we keep cutting to him like hitting the books and there's actually like a really great scene where he's he's fallen asleep in the library he's like gotten drunk and passed out um the librarian comes to like wake him up because his uh walkie-talkie has been going off and he didn't know what to do yeah so he like goes to wake him up and he's like stunned awake uh, he's like starts <laughs> yelling at the librarian he says like uh he basically tells him like yeah if if a cop comes in here looking for sp- spooky books spooky books don't sneak up on him <laughs> yeah. and he's like he's like if this was one of my men you might have been shot and that would have yeah. been lights out for ray <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah just like in a very like charming way i mean like hey if this was anyone else they would have just shot you <laughs> so it's just like well, yo like it's like this guy is just insane the way he talks to other people well jim cummings i feel like he so like sometimes his performances when he's like yelling and he's very emotional and he's like yell crying which he does sometimes it kind of reminds me of when Will Ferrell is like pretending to be sincere and emotional and it's just like really over the top. Um, it's like humorous in the same way. You see what I mean? I, I, yeah, um, I see. I see what the direction you're talking about. Um, it really works, though, for these characters because these characters are written in a way that feels a little a lot more emotionally honest than the typical Will Ferrell character. But it feels like a similar kind of performance. Yeah, and I think that it's paired with his kind of descent into this you know, addiction, and so I think it, it, it works really well. Because usually, Farrell, at least I was, I wasn't really a big Will Ferrell fan for a while. I kind of got won over, but yeah, like this, the the screaming in his movies turned me off for a bit. So, um, but I think yeah, I think he's, I think Jim Cummings is a little different flavor. But yeah, I see what you're saying. So, after this, uh, the police station kind of gets into battle mode. Uh, another full moon is going to be happening. Uh, they call a curfew on the night of the f- full moon. And uh, Robert Forster has a really good line where he says, when everyone's like, in a, all the police are in a room together, they're all like wearing their bulletproof vests and they all have their guns. And he says, I won't ask you to pray with me because of the goddamn lawyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the saltiness and... in the delivery is what sells it. Yeah, but he's like getting everyone gung-ho, like ready to go. Uh you know, hunt down this this possible werewolf, yeah. um, and unfortunately, he can't he can't join them because he's having pretty serious uh, health problems. Yeah, and I feel heart, like this yeah, is heart's just wearing out. Yeah, and I feel like this is the best. Um, I don't know. I feel like this might be the best scene for Jim Cummings in, in terms of his performance because I feel like this is the most emotional scene. Like this is a scene where I really felt what he was giving off. Um, totally. And I don't know if it's the performance, I don't know if it's the circumstances, but he's basically having to beg his father to, like, actually go to the hospital. He he says something like, I'm done, you're retired. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, so yeah, I, like, listened to a interview with Jim Cummings, and he talked about how when he was writing Thunder Road, he would just, like, think of things 
or recall memories or events or whatever, like things that made him want to cry. And he was like, and I just like collected all those things and I tried to write a movie around him. Um, But like having to tell your stubborn father who doesn't want to go to the hospital that he needs to fucking get his shit together and like take care of himself. Like that really worked for me. Yeah, that's really heavy. I'm like getting emotional talking about it right now. No, no, totally. I I like the scene immediately after that when he's talking to like the receptionist at the the station and he's just like, like, I need you to like to make the call and to do that like hospital part. And I can't because I got to go shoot a werewolf right now. He's like, he has the gun in his hand. He's kind of like doing like the back and forth. Like I got to like run out and like fucking fight evil but like my dad is like crumbling in the back room yeah and it's it's fantastic that those those two moments are definitely really really heavy and really well done and he's telling her like you can't tell anyone yeah um and he's trying to think of what she should say because like he's still trying to respect his father's wishes of not treating this with the seriousness that it deserves while simultaneously trying to treat it with the seriousness that it deserves yeah, the um, tightrope walk is just so delicate yeah. in that situation. So the conflict there, I don't know. It, Yeah, it really worked for me. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, while that's happening, we are getting some shots of the daughter. She is uh, flirting and doing some, some sexting things with a, a, yeah. with a guy. And the curfew is going on, and she decides she is going to go out and make out with this boy on a very dangerous night. And so she goes over to this dude's house, but she's inside the... She's in his car. And so they're inside the car making out and yeah. it's getting super, super steamy. And then we get another encounter with the wolf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dude she's making out with notices a neighbor, seems to be waving at them. And uh, when they get a closer look at the neighbor, she's like pointing. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> there's something very upwards. wrong. <laughs> and then a werewolf appears and it's like scratching the back window. Uh, it like fucking rams the side of the truck. Yeah, and I uh, mentioned the making out part because the fog, the foggy window effect helps oh, sell, yeah. helps sell like the kind of jawsy kind of vibe of like it's just right outside of the of the car and it's just like slashing, just trying to get in. And it, yeah, it helps create confusion about like what is outside. Like they see this, the neighbor. It, it looks like the neighbor is like waving and calling the cops on them or something, but then they like. Uh, you know, get the fog out of the window and they get a better look and it's like, no, like the neighbor's trying to warn them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, they encounter the werewolf. Um, somehow, so, so John ends up showing in the nick of time because the neighbor was calling the cops. Um, he ends up like shooting a shotgun blast at the werewolf. The werewolf runs away. Uh, he, he misses it, unfortunately. And he has this... Um, basically a shouting match with the daughter yeah uh, so like um she she's frustrated with him because he didn't even ask if she was okay he's he's asking like what the fuck are you doing out here like i'm working uh and she says like you're not even gonna ask if i'm okay and he says like he's like no i'm not <laughs> like, yeah, she's, like uh, you bleeding, like her head's bleeding and shit and she's yeah she... <laughs> yeah he's like you broke curfew so you can make out with some guy in a truck i yeah i'm not gonna ask if you're okay um how did you feel about that um so yeah that was one of those moments where i was like okay john is like he's definitely like dedicated but he's crossing all of the lines that i would want him to be crossing you know he's he's drinking he's he's like yeah like 
he made a, a good call by kind of benching his dad and being like, okay, like you need to go to the mm-hmm. hospital. But yeah, the reaction to to the daughter making out was just like, yeah, it's like it's too much, but I totally. I, I get it because like yeah like his character is just deep into this other territory and so he's yeah he's just he's I guess more afraid and you know he just doesn't want to be hurt and so that is communicated by him just screaming at her because that's the way he, that's like his baseline of communication anyway and so yeah so he's just he's yeah just, at this point yeah yeah um, that's kind of how I felt about it like to me it felt like on one hand he's sort of justified in his anger because it's like. I'm not going to ask if you're okay. You don't get to be comforted right now because you fucked up. Like you went out, you broke curfew when there's a fucking murderer <laughs> out here. Totally. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, he's saying something like, he says something like I'm at work right now, which yeah. is a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously he could have done a better job <laughs> of handling this situation. Um, and like, but I, I mean, when it comes down to it, she's totally valid in her anger with him that like she's been she says something along the lines of like, I've been staring at the back of your head for 17 years and I can't wait to live with other people. I would rather live with strangers than live with you, um, yeah. which is really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like I think that is one of the really interesting things about this movie is that so, you know, his mom abandoned him when he was a kid. Uh his him and his wife their relationship fell apart um and his father is just very stubborn (laughs) um and so it kind of feels like okay how have all these things shaped this person who now has a terrible relationship with his own daughter yeah this his his stubbornness is definitely like feels like there's a lot more venom in it and so yeah he just his stubbornness kind of comes with his need to control the situation. Yeah. And it it feels it almost feels like alcoholism is kind of a natural thing to turn towards considering these sort of circumstances. Like the, these things that have fed into fed into the psychology of this character, or at least our understanding of the character. I don't know. Yeah. Um but yeah. After they chase off this uh werewolf, they're they he, he hears shots in the distance. And uh, I think it's Julia actually catches up to the scene of these shots. And there is uh, one of the police officers is kind of folded in half in a garbage bin. Yeah, And that's that's one of those long takes that does the reveal expertly, in my opinion, where it's like they're approaching the garbage can and we just see legs. And so we're like, okay, yeah, there's like it's like uniformed legs. So it's Uh one of our guys. But then. We push in, we just see that aspect of it, and we go over, we follow Julia as she kind of yeah, breaks see down. Her reaction. Yeah, we yeah see the her cops reaction. are like fighting each other and Yeah, then they, then they start pushing. Yeah, and then the camera goes and we get the, I forget what his name is, but we see his face kind of at the bottom of the bin. And I just, yeah, just the yeah. camera work on that was just like so superb, in my opinion. I was like, yo, they, they got it, got it down. And so, yeah, this is the first man who has been killed by this. Uh, well, I think it's just the first man that's been killed in the movie. Yeah. Um, and so this is more, this isn't part of the werewolf's game. Uh, this is him trying to defend himself, I, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a curveball, red herring kind of to throw, maybe to, <laughs> to throw them off the scent. So, uh, John goes to the hospital where his daughter's at now because her skull was bleeding as she put it. Um, 
and where his father is, they're in hospital beds right next to each other. And he does a really shitty thing where he decides to take his daughter's phone, press it against her fingerprint to unlock it. Um, and he looks at the text between her and the guy. And so he goes to the guy's house and wakes him up in the middle of the night and beats the shit out of him with like yeah. a, a t-shirt over his face with the most, to like disguise like... him. Yeah, with the most ghetto, like, bandana kind of, I'm going to cover my face setup. It's like, yeah, like a t-shirt wrapped yeah. around, just like, just very crudely on his head. Yeah, yeah it's not even like, like a ninja, not even ninja style. It's just like, he just like tied it on his, to the front of his face. Yeah, and it's the most low effort way of concealing his face to go in and like, basically just like, fuck up with this kid. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, I don't and, know what, uh, what else he's there to do besides just beat up this kid. Yeah, just to, like, express his rage. Um, yeah. And so to me, this felt like this is the scene that... So so, so when he enters the house, we're, the camera is in the bedroom of the boy, and the boy is asleep. And we just hear the mo mom downstairs saying, like, who are you? Like, who do you think you are? Get out of here. Be, you and can't she's be yelling at this guy. <laughs> yeah, and it fa it sounds like what you would expect to hear from a werewolf attack in this movie um yeah. and so for me it feels like this is the scene that's really contrasting the rage between like the killer and john um and i don't i don't, I don't really know where i'm going with that. I'll, like i i'll say what i think is really interesting about this scene is just the switch that the kind of the mom does when she realizes who is yeah. attacking her son i think it's is it because she admires just like that is i think like, she just officer? she just must recognize like he is a cop so he must have a reason for doing that. yeah that shit made me laugh so much because he's like wailing on this kid and then yeah they like they pepper spray him and he like stumbles out of the room and then she's like what did you do and i was just like <laughs> yeah i was like that's like totally like my mom just like well what did you do in this situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah why is there a man in our house right now <laughs> So it's somehow um, your fault but yeah then he like just dumps the milk on his face and yeah, kind of has this moment at the fridge i don't know why i took a note of that it's always enjoy when there's this good <laughs> visceral reaction to pepper spray um so he returns to the hospital he like trying to tries to clean himself up a little bit he looks like shit gets back to the hospital to check on his daughter and the father's already died uh robert forster so his hospital bed is empty yeah, and um, also I, I I had to make a note on just how they did that reveal because he like comes into the room and he makes a beeline right to the daughter and Julia and he's like talking he's like trying to start the conversation but they're like hold on a second like you have to kind of take take a second to acknowledge the 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 count of people in the room right now and so yeah, yeah. The, the bed is empty behind him and he just like slowly turns and and he wasn't it. there for it yeah and so like the next morning we're seeing him. I assume it's the next morning. He's, like, getting his father's stuff from the hospital. He has, like, his jeans, and he, like, pulls out the father's holster, and he, like, straps it to himself. So now he's got his father's gun. Yeah. Um, his drinking gets way worse um, to the point where he's no longer allowed at the AA meetings. They won't, they won't let him there. He almost picks a fight with someone there, which is a pretty good scene, <laughs> where it's, yeah. like, he's, like, yelling at someone off off camera, and then we hear, like... Uh, a chair scoot out <laughs> and like his eyes just like move up like this g gigantic man is just stood up in the room yeah and then no, he's, he's like, like all right, yeah all right, all right i'm leaving <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. like, I'll go, I'll go. uh 
and then um this druggy guy this this heroin addict or whatever that we've been cutting to throughout the movie that we assume is the werewolf he overdoses and the police find his body and they say hey we found the killer uh this man uh, i don't think we mentioned earlier in the movie he's he he's burning a body at one point yeah that was Um, that was one thing that like is a part that's why i mentioned carcosa because i was just like yeah this like the body inside of the pile of sticks just felt very true detective to me just the way mm -hmm. that the this the shot is just like yep trailer like little mobile home and then there's like this massive pyre that that, is happening in the center and so yeah that's one of the cutaways and the second time or third or, or whatever when we go back he's he does some he does some drugs and then like completely overdoses and passes out so when julia approaches john like john is like he's sneaking a drink in his uh his like coffee mug or whatever and julia catches him she knows exactly what he's up to and she tells him we caught the guy um so they wander outside there's an ambulance outside and it's willing out the guy's body um and we get a the coroner explaining the situation that at the man's house there was he had a bunch of exotic knives he had a tattoo of a wolf um and there was a body there was a body of a woman named helen which i looked in the credits and there was no helen um so it's none of the none of the victims that we've met throughout the movie yeah that's right is it some unknown unknown person but how did you feel about this reveal that like the guy just dies and the case is kind of closed well given the kind of setup that i saw i felt okay with it i was like all right they're gonna have this be like a suspect that's just gonna like take the place of what's actually happening um yeah i i don't know i guess i'm i, I was fine with it because I, I was just a little bit more along the ride was just seeing where john was gonna go because right right before that there's this whole scene with his daughter and he's talking about like he drove oh, yeah, into he a wasted, pole yeah. that he like got yeah. wasted and like got angry and then like decided to drive into a pole and i was just like okay this guy's getting like vaguely like suicidal like problematic with his drinking and she like drags him upstairs and so yeah i I thought it was going to be more about like that side was kind of going to be a background solving whodunit thing and we're just kind of going to focus on john and like is he going to actually like live through this because i thought he was going to end up even further down this bad road and you know his ultimate demise yeah i really didn't know where the movie was going to go at this point because it feels like i remember just feeling like wow that sucks (laughs) that like they caught this guy without catching this guy. Like, this guy yeah. just died. And there's no win here. Like, yeah. it's just a series of losses. Like, people got killed. Uh, everyone thinks he's incompetent. He is his addiction resurfaced. His relationship with his daughter got worse. His father has died. Yeah, it feels um, like, okay, like, yeah, he's kind of in the same. Sorry, let me say that again. When he fires the coroner in that scene after all of that stuff goes down, I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, like, yeah, he's just going to be, like, spinning the wheels and kind of just, like, firing everyone that isn't quite, you know, doing this well, thing. Well, and... he fires the coroner because he realizes, he says, you're the one who threw the beer bottle. And the yes. coroner has, like, a super sketchy reaction to that. <laughs> totally, yeah, that's so true, that's so true. And so that feels like the movie saying, see, he actually is, like, a pretty decent officer like he is a decent detective he was able to figure this out and um we don't know how (laughs) but uh yeah you know he got he he got a win in that in that moment yeah for me it it just felt like okay 
it's going to be like on the back burner type of thing where I felt like it was doing that switch where, okay, it's going to start off as like this werewolf mystery that's going to lead us into a story about John deteriorating and breaking down because of alcoholism. And so, yeah, the fact that it kind of is anticlimactic, I think it it works. Overall, I think it it works for the ending of the movie because I like it so much. Um, And we're not quite at the end of the movie. Not quite. (laughs) Um, Because... Uh, he continues going around returning evidence from the case to different people who are involved. And Julia gets a call. Okay, so he goes to return some evidence to uh, the man who owns the place that the couple at the beginning of the movie had rented out, um, who is a taxidermist. And as he's returning this, uh, Julia gets a call from PJ. That is PJ, right, you said? Yeah. Yes. And um, he's saying, oh, hey, when you returned evidence, you left something here. Um, it's a some sort of seam ripper. It's not ours. Um, my mom said I should call you and let you know about it. And yeah, as soon as Julia... Yeah, as soon as Julia hears that, she, like, hangs up the phone and knows exactly where to go. And so John is having this conversation with this the man who rented out the place to that couple, who's a taxidermist. <laughs> and the taxidermist he's kind of hunched over he's a thin man uh we've met him earlier in the movie he um was complaining about uh you know how like he says something about like how am i supposed to rent this place out and like my wife is going to kill me or something like that yeah it's going to be a haunted uh, house from now on Just... <laughs> yeah at another point uh they're interrogating him and he was like i could have saw he's like i own a lot of properties it's not a big deal like I could have solved this case myself. Like, when do I, let me call my wife. Um, yeah, I think it's also worth noting, like, how abrasive all of the interviews are, like, in the middle of the movie, and then how, like, all of the reactions to the people getting their evidence back, like, he gets spit in the face. Like, everyone's, like, yeah. basically, like, they don't want anything to do with him because, like, they felt like they, like, there's no real justice has been served. And so when he finally yeah. gets to the taxidermist, he's like, Hey, yeah, like, come on in. And so come on it's like, in. Let me make yeah. you tea or coffee. And yeah. like, um, he, he, uh, John says no. He says, like, he doesn't want tea. Um, he just needs a signature. Yeah. But he invites him in anyways. And he's like, you can talk about the case with me now, right? Um, and he, he, he asks if he can, like, slip something into his drink, basically. No, what he, he says, he, can I spill something in your coffee? <laughs> yeah, can I spill something in your coffee? It's an interesting phrasing. And yeah, um, yeah. so he like has like all of his liquor out and he decides to pour something into John's coffee. And John says something like, oh, is your wife gone? And he says, I'm not married. And he goes on to say like, oh, you know, I was, but she couldn't hack it. Um, yeah. And then he asks about John's daughter and John like talks a little bit about her. She got like, she got like a scholarship or something like that. Yeah, he mentions the scholarship, but then once once that question's asked, like he kind of does, yeah. like, uh, like I think this conversation needs to end. Like right <laughs> I think now. he even does the thing where he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. trying to like Sorry. think. It's like, uh, uh, like, he's like, I'm you know I'm on the I'm on the clock. I should get going. So he goes outside, and uh, just as he's standing outside, he says, "You know what? There was something in there that you said that kind of struck me funny." And then he says, would you mind, uh, I'm sure, he, he said, would you stand up to your full height? <laughs> and so we get this shot of the man hunched over in his doorway. It's just like his face is between the uh, the door and the door frame. Yeah. 
And once he's asked, "Can you will you stand up to your full height?" Like he goes from smiling to like his face just drops. That smile uh, dissolves so beautifully. Yeah, <laughs> it, it like is so smile. interesting. Yeah, and his just... face is his face is so perfectly framed between like the door frame and the door, and it feels like his head is just sliding up that space. <laughs> yeah. uh, as he's like standing to his full height and he just gets taller and taller and yeah. taller. And then um and then we cut back to John who's just like, Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the man closes the door on him. And we realize that is the killer. <laughs> like this is this is the killer. Yeah. Um, and then we get this little like kind of tussle inside of his cabin as oh, sorry, I just bumped my microphone. Let me start that over. So yeah, they're like struggling inside the, the cabin. He tries to like get him with a gun. And no, after he what does he get stabbed? Like he gets like he, he Okay, so John throws like a trash can through the window to break into the house. Yes. He rushes yes. in. He doesn't see him anywhere. He goes into this room that is like covered with like fur. And inside of this room, there's like all of the taxidermy equipment. And a human head. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> preserved in a, in a jar. It's like in a plastic bag or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like he turns around and like just as he turns around, I think he gets, that's when he gets the knife through his like stomach. And yeah, he's like really lifted intense. up against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. He gets like gutted. Well, not gutted, but he gets like stabbed in the stomach and he's being held up against the wall. And, yeah. And, and I then think that's even, when like, Julia shows up. We get like the, the red and blue lights kind of flashing on his face. Yeah. And then like, uh, so he gets like thrown onto the ground. Um, he's like crawling around, like bleeding out. Um, he looks out the back door and he like goes out the back door and he sees <laughs> like we get like a pretty cool shot where he's like looking out the back door and you see like um, I want to say they're like blinds or something like waving around. And we see is it a is it a full moon that night? I think it's a full moon. Uh, maybe uh, it's not. Don't don't remember. But um, but like coming into frame, just like beyond the doorway, is the taxidermist, and he's wearing uh, this like fur suit. It's like werewolf suit that's missing the head. Yeah. And he and he looks at John, and he just like gives this kind of ridiculous growl scream that like it starts off very human but then as it goes on longer like the tail end of it feels a little more animalistic yeah and then uh and then it's just a chase from then from then on like john chases him out into the woods uh and, and they... julia's like right behind him and it kind of he ends up taking him out and getting the upper hand in the fight yeah i think like uh yeah the taxidermist like throws him on the ground he's on top of him Julie ends up shooting the taxidermist. Um, and then once the taxidermist is on the ground, um, John pulls out his gun, which is actually his father's gun. And he unloads on the face of the taxidermist. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how legal that was. I feel like uh, he could have probably yeah, been taken super, in at that point. Super intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He like, he took the advice from the, the yeah. guy, uh, PJ very Absolutely. literally. And like, yeah. And then, uh, and then we sort of get like, uh, an epilogue scene of, so, so John collapses in the snow and then we sort of get an epilogue scene where, uh, his daughter Jenna is like moving into college. She's got all her boxes and, uh, Julie is there. 
um, telling her congratulations and all this stuff. And uh, Jenna says, oh, congratulations to you, too. And she pulls out a sheriff hat. So she's she's the new sheriff. Um, previously, it was John's father. We assumed John would be next in line. But now it is Julia. Um, yeah. And it's got a hole in the back of it because they don't make them for ponytails, um, which is kind of pointing to the sexism of, yes, yeah, you know, the police force. That was and, the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned the note from Emily. I was like, yeah, like that last little bit is just so mm-hmm. good. Like, yeah, like we don't make sheriff's hats for ladies. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, so we kind of assume that John is dead, but then John shows up and he tells Jenna, you know, I left something for you for your protection. Um, and she's like grossed out by that. <laughs> um, and then he, he takes off and she looks in her drawer and there's condoms in there. But under the condoms, there's something else. And we don't know what it is. But in the next shot, we see John. um, He's like adjusting his belt. And as he is walking away from the building, he passes by these two uh, college boys who say something about like, oh, a gymnast just moved in. Oh, fresh meat. And John stops. And you're not sure if he's going to say something or not. But he decides against it. And he continues walking. Um, Yeah. So that is the end of the movie. Um, And so, so yeah, I think getting into the misogyny aspect of it. um, Well, okay. So, so maybe I should talk a little bit more about like my immediate reaction was, and I think it's the obvious reading, which is just that it's about alcoholism, right? Yeah. 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 And maybe that just goes to show that I like, I'm a male and I'm a, I'm a guy watching this movie and it didn't even, yeah. like, it, it gets brought up from like the female characters in the movie, but those like, there's certain things that I just naturally wasn't looking out for just because I don't look out for certain things that, you know, women might be looking out for. And so, yeah. And like, I think just details like that slip pie. And it's also like written and directed by Jim Cummings starring Jim Cummings. It is like centering on a man. And so as I was watching it, and like the fact that it's about like a wolf man, yeah. <laughs> um, like I'm just thinking about the relationship between alcoholism and because it, it, it's very on the nose. Like one of the first scenes with Jim Cummings, he's talking about like at his AA meeting, he's talking about like not letting the beast within come out, which is fucking wolf man shit. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, so this was something I was kind of conflicted about with like, okay, how do I feel about this movie? Like, because I can appreciate all of that stuff about like this character and his own turmoils and struggles with alcoholism, but how does it relate to, and, and I know how it relates on like the surface level to the Wolfman stuff, but do I find it dramatically satisfying the, the whodunit aspect of the story and how that ties into the character drama aspect? And I don't, I don't think I do because we do get this stuff with like, the guy shooting up heroin in his trailer, which feels like it's just a complete, it's a complete red herring where I don't necessarily understand the point of it as a red herring. Yeah. Um, like him, him doing heroin isn't really necessary for, like he could have just, you know, passed out or whatever. I mean, mean, he could have died from other reasons, but but it doesn't necessarily have to be an overdose. Right. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, like the fact that it's addiction and it's like the sinister presence of addiction like maybe that ties into the alcoholism component a little bit. And the fact that this man is, you know, he's apparently murdered a woman. Um, yeah. 
So it could be like the more, more there's like a couple different extremes here where there's like the extreme of like a man being a mur- I, I guess they're both there's there's two men who are murderers. There's one who's the wolf man who um you know the beast within emerges versus this other person who has like addiction and who is destructive of himself and at some point a woman who which appears to happen off screen. And then there I see, is I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, like it feels like it's all kind of in conversation with each other. But like, I feel like as a in terms of uh, if you're making a whodunit movie, I don't know if I enjoy the way it is working within that. Um, but I guess I I would agree somewhat. I I liked that aspect of there's like a mystery that kind of falls into the lap of this sheriff department, and we're following one person, but this one person has just a laundry list of problems that are just like so much more consuming than that main Wolfman issue that like his other more competent people are going to be able to kind of take it, take, take the reins and solve it. And so when it's a, a false kind of, when it's a false answer, I was like, okay, that's, that seems to be like a pot, like a, pro, a totally probable thing. Like they were described as bumbling and kind of like incompetent ways. So they, they found the first person who's like the closest match and for maybe the sleepy town that, that's all they really need. Like the sheriffs weren't even going to do it. They were just going to pass it off to the FBI in the beginning of the movie. But he like Jim, well, sorry, John kind of convinces everybody to be like, no, this is our thing. The town is, is looking to looking to us to solve it. But yeah, it's less about that part because yeah, his alcoholism kind of, it's like glimpses of that. And so, yeah, I was, I, I like that. I like that. We kind of switch gears a little bit. And so yeah, maybe the, the satisfaction of the whodunit part is I thought it was good that we kind of get the reveal at the end with the guy in the suit, because if it turned out to have just been a werewolf, I think that would have been a little bit even more disappointing. And so I, I, I liked it. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I'm just not a hundred percent on like how the whodunit aspect of the story contributes to the character drama, like thematically and like poetically, I guess you could say. Um, for sure. Like I, I, I feel like I enjoyed all the aspects of the movie, but just like how they work within conversation to each other. I'm, I'm a little unsure of, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it does, the nature of the movie is it jumps around a lot. And so I think upon second, uh, if I watch this again, I think I might appreciate some of the details that are a little bit more obvious to me after talking about it and reading about it a little bit more. But upon the first watch, I was like, yeah, I feel like some things kind of like jumped ahead. And when they introduced the, the evidence box with the yarn and the, the seam terror, I was like, I feel mm. like that could have been a little bit more focused on and introduced a little bit better. Just so I was much more aware and kind of like, okay, like when it shows up on camera, it's like, Oh, oh we've kind of like found the guy. Yeah. So, at yeah, one point, some gaps. There's a, yeah. At one point, John is reading a book about, I think taxidermy at one point. Yeah, I think it's written by the guy who is eventually the Wolfman, too. There you go. (laughs) So, yeah, there are, like, ways that it is telegraphed, but it's not, like, it's not, like, the sort of whodunit that, like, Knives Out is, where you get, you intimately get to know every suspect, Um, and so it's... Yeah, this feels more, like, on the chaotic side, and I think it's kind of tying into just the unraveling of the brain of John and dealing with this... uh, alcoholism and just like there's chunks that are just gonna be kind of gone and that ties into the whole who's the real monster slash werewolf thing and so 
yeah, I I don't know. I think the the kind of gaps and the yeah, just the gaps of it are it worked for me, and I was like, I, I guess I kind of was like, yeah, it makes sense for the Jim Cummings part, but yeah, everyone else, I feel like I don't know. <laughs> they might be, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of touching on the uh, sort of misogyny aspect of the story. So we have obviously the Wolfman. He only kills women. Um, there's Julia. I early on in the movie, she's inter interrogating um these like rednecks <laughs> and uh yeah. they kind of brush her off at a certain point like once they think um that they might be su- suspects they say like well i'm not going to show you what's in my phone unless you have a warrant and it kind of feels like they're fucking with her they're kind of like teasing her with the possibility of showing her what's in their phone but uh yeah, they he, know like, pull, he pulls out the phone and he's like oh, yeah. yeah like but he he's knows like he's not yeah but he knows he's not going to like it, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. sort of the vibe i get like okay, okay um, i see that yeah and then, like, uh, because he knows that he—he's playing a game. It feels like. And then, as soon as she walks away, he like calls her a bitch, like behind her back or something. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, but she kind of just walks away from that. Um, she doesn't quite get what she wanted from those people, but like, I think her walking away from it, contrasted with how John handles everything, uh, it shows that like this is someone who under stress is able to keep their cool um where john is not at all able to keep. so like so maybe yeah as a man watching this movie i was just focused on the contrast between these characters i wasn't focused on necessarily the sexism um but yeah for sure we get that we get um the way john talks to jenna he like comments on about what she wears at one point and she's and Jenna says something like, "What? What about what I wear?" He's like, "Oh, you know, nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's just." Uh... Yeah, there's also a a little beat when they're having the the first like kind of real meeting about it when they're talking about just the, the second crime scene, and he calls her Julia. And she's like, "Officer," like she like gives her the last name. It's like, "Just call me by my like officer name instead." Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, he kind of undermines her by not calling her like detective or whatever yeah yeah i thought that was a great little character moment and i was like yeah like she is being undermined quite a bit and so yeah she's she's yeah she is being undervalued by her peers and so yeah i think that is one of the more subtle moments where it happens um there's also yeah so like the second person who's killed she's on her way to go see a guy who doesn't treat her well um oh yeah so the third murder so like i mentioned the headphone aspect of it but i forgot about this that like uh as she as this guy is talking to her at the diner she feels the need to mention that she has a husband yes um so she says like oh yeah my husband and i bought that car or something like that and which is something that women do they like if a guy's hitting on them they'll say like oh i have a boyfriend because a guy will back off when he thinks another man is in the picture he won't back off just from hearing that a woman isn't interested um yeah it's just like completely disregarding like what this yeah. person's actually trying to communicate like, i'm not oh, interested well, this, in th- this yeah. man who i've never met who i'll never see is, has yeah. more you know has more so say and yeah how this works um yeah. and then yeah i guess kind of the end with so there's the end with her with julia putting on the hat that doesn't leave room for ponytails (laughs) uh but then also that john 
he leaves her he leaves his daughter protection but he's also leaving her uh his father's gun and what that is sort of saying is like he is he he's you know he's given her pepper spray before but now he is passing on the power to defend herself okay so like we so he gives her the gun and then immediately after that we hear the college boys say something about like fresh meat and he could do something he could interfere but he chooses not to because he has passed that power on to his daughter to decide when she needs to defend herself Um, yeah which it's like the the line that they say is kind of is like crass and but yeah i think it's a nice and i feel moment between this even though they're not in the same moment but yeah like him just being like okay she can handle it yeah like this isn't my fight this is her fight like this is her situation to deal with not mine and like i feel like fresh meat is like uh very specific because it kind of plays on the werewolf thing too um good point good point yeah but uh yeah i think those are all the way all the ways that uh it kind of plays into that or like at least a a lot of the ways that it kind of plays into the misogyny aspect of it yeah i definitely am going to rewatch it kind of with those feelers up because also the we get yeah the first couple too and so that feels like so early and like far away compared to the other parts of the movie but yeah it'd be kind of cool to rewatch those first scenes because yeah it's like those two dudes are like antagonizing the couple at the oh, restaurant and i just and remember that okay go on go on go on i was gonna yeah i was just gonna say like he like kind of just like he makes sure to like say like hey you guys are using slurs you guys are being obnoxious like just calm down and then yeah it's like a, a very like typical kind of scene of like okay it's nice couple versus the douchebags and like you're trying to like just make those people kind of de-escalate but yeah I think I was, i'm trying to think more about like her in those scenes now that i'm thinking about it with this yeah because like the girlfriend is like she wants to de-escalate the situation by like kind of ignoring it versus the guy feels like he has to say something which is like nothing productive can come from this like this isn't a this isn't a good uh opportunity to teach someone something really it's just like yeah and it's like he's like yeah it's like if my brother was here i'm like well that yeah like i think that would have been like your brother's battle to go and to be like okay like i'm gonna make sure these fools know this is not the way to be talking in public but yeah just yeah her her kind of like really coy shy like okay just it'll just pass moment is just more typical of yeah actual behavior so i just remembered another scene that struck me really odd which is so after the first murder um john and the other officers are in the diner and they're you know just speaking about the case and yes i know you're gonna mention (laughs) yeah why did i get married yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and i was like i was like that's a really strange scene like i get that like john is divorced so like maybe it's playing into that but it feels way too specific (laughs) like it does like this can only be playing towards something. Yeah, so I think Emily's totally right. <laughs> yeah, and it's worth mentioning that it's not John that delivers that line. It's the only other, like, black character in this movie. I forget his name. His last name is Chavez, but he's, like, yeah, kind of not a, a very favorable police officer, but that's one of the more earlier moments we get with him where he's just like, why did you guys let me do this? And everyone else at the table is like, like we, we, told told, you. we told you not to do that. And so, yeah, I felt kind of like... I was like, yeah, like Flintstone, Flintstoneies a little bit. This is like antiquated as hell. Yeah, it's re- yeah, that was a re- really weird scene when I watched it. 
Um, and then, yeah, something else is uh, the whole idea of the werewolf is it comes out of men just killing women, right? And yeah. so it was like they couldn't accept that men were so terrible to do such things. They had to make up this fictional character to explain it. Um, but no, it is just this is an evil that men do. And so I think maybe even with that opening scene of PJ and his girlfriend, where PJ is like arguing with that guy and she's not, not willing to like, she knows that this isn't a good idea. Um, I think, yeah, maybe this, a chunk of what this movie is about is about like toxic masculinity um, and just like male violence and aggression. Um, Yeah. And, and the, the mental gymnastics kind of attached to, like if we are unsure of what this is in theory, like what are we going to blame it on? And so, yeah, blame it on something supernatural as opposed to our own human issues within these small kind of isolated communities. Yeah. All right. Anything else? <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty good. We like, yeah, I think this is one. Yeah. Of we've talked detail. a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of our more detailed. Um, I, I'm down though. Cause I like, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate the comments you made. Yeah. But, like, it's interesting. I mean, really. a, a lot of credit. A lot of credit goes to Emily. I asked her if she wanted to be part of the show, and she was like, "Oh no, I don't want to do that." Um, how did you feel about it not being a werewolf at the end? Oh, I thought that was great. I like. I really appreciate that turn, and yeah, everything kind of leading up to it. Just, it, it was really, really entertaining for me, and yeah, just the the base metaphor of like alcoholism versus uh, being the werewolf was was really good and so yeah him becoming more monstrous was was really satisfying to watch and so when it turns out that it's not an actual werewolf and it's just like a man doing something more nefarious i i like i fell in love with the movie a little bit more because i was like okay like that's that's exactly kind of what i was hoping for it's just something more like i don't know it feels more like a like a folklore kind of story and i feel like john like he from the beginning was saying it's not a werewolf it's a man um the audience is completely led to believe that it is actually a werewolf not a man yeah and And we get like some really great werewolf shots in it yeah yeah. but i feel like giving that character a win by like showing you know no he was he was right (laughs) like it, it is a man uh after this character had suffered so much loss um yeah i think that was really satisfying yeah and mentioning just those other shots, like we get some very good cinematic stills of just like these werewolf kind of encounters. And so you kind of get both, like even if it's not an actual werewolf, we do get a very solid werewolf story yeah. up until the very end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that wraps things up then for the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Sweet. Well, what have you been watching this week? What have I been watching this week? I watched... Uh episode one of season two of the mandalorian did you watch that i have not i'm like i'm not a massive mandalorian fan i'll probably watch it when it's all done all right we gotta watch it dude i might (laughs) for the sake of this for this if you're watching it i might might i'm gonna be watching it every week (laughs) all right all right all right (laughs) i I do love uh pedro pascal as the as the dude and so yeah like literally baby yoda like showed up and it was just it was a lot <laughs> so, <laughs> like there was a lot of memes and a lot of stuff happening and i hadn't watched it and i was like okay i'm kind of turned off but then yeah it's it's a solid solid show um yeah i think this first episode is 
pretty good. Amy Sedaris is back, and she was... I don't really like her in this movie, <laughs> or in this show. Uh, I like Amy Sedaris in general. I think she's a great comedian. I love Strangers with Candy, but in this show, I think she's totally just... Uh, it's doesn't make sense. <laughs> what she's doing just feels so different than everything else. Um, yeah, like... Her scene in the in the first season with like yeah this it, it just felt like this is just so bizarre but yeah I, I like was won over eventually but yeah it's it's very quirky <laughs> yeah um yeah watch it man I'm looking forward to I want to know like I want to talk about Star Wars shit I feel like we're gonna uh, have to at some point go through some of these movies because I have a lot to say about Star Wars. We can do a, a definitely a, a bonus, a, a Star Wars special, because I have yeah uh, tons and tons of, of opinions. My dad is watching, uh, he's watching A New Hope like right before I recorded this, and he's doing the Chewbacca impression all throughout the house. Like, all okay. right, like this is this is my life. Like, nice. I haven't even told you about my my 18th birthday, where all of my gifts were Episode Three themed. Wow. Oh yeah, that's a whole episode. That's a whole episode, right? What there. did you get? <laughs> It was just a lot of a lot of episode three merchandise, and it was a yeah, just <laughs> it's just a ridiculous story. But yeah, like I will, I will definitely watch the Mandalorian. I will be back, and I will watch the, it'll be two episodes because it's on Sunday, or is it all? It's out? on Fridays. One ep- okay, one episode every Friday. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, by the next time we talk, I'll have watched the two episodes. Cool. Uh, what have you been watching then? Uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I like watched a whole bunch of horror movies right around the day before Halloween and Halloween. But the, the two that I made a note of is I did a double feature one night and watched both hostile movies back to back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And super interesting. I don't know why I was like afraid to watch those movies like growing up and was like so freaked out by the concept and everything. Cause I was really disappointed by, by both of those movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first one. So I saw the second one before I saw the first one. I saw the okay. second one in uh, Aaron Kerner's horror class, which I've actually huh. been watching um, Eli Roth's History of Horror on AMC, and Aaron Kerner shows up in an episode <laughs> uh, oh, to talk Shout about like, Kerner. yeah, he talks about like torture porn and like post nine eleven. I need to ask him if he thinks that there's homoerotic themes going throughout both of these movies because mm. that's all I could think about because <laughs> the first one is so aggressively just like broy and like yeah. just so many so many slurs and things thrown around in that movie and so yeah like, um, I was like Eli Roth what are you doing but uh, yeah I saw the second one before I saw the first one and I really liked the second one and then by the time I got around to watching the first one I was like this. Is- I, I, I don't like the first one. Like, it feels... I don't like the characters. I think they're all really annoying. And yeah, they're awful. He I think Eli Roth kind of prides himself on the fact that, like, violence doesn't really occur until, like, 40 minutes into the movie or something like that. So it's, like, kind of a slow build. Um, and I think part of the point is that, like, he wants you to fall in love with these characters, get on the good side of these characters, enjoy them, <laughs> learn to enjoy them before they get murdered. But the whole just time I'm just like... ignore all of the homophobia <laughs> and all. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate these people. I can't wait for them to die. Um, I, was like, I was like, if I have to watch these dudes smoke weed one more time, I was like, I'm going to scream. Yeah. So, yeah, I I have a different experience with hostels, seeing them out of order, but... Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, because I like put it off and I build it up in my mind so much that like by the time I actually sat down to watch those movies I was just like w- looking at my phone half the time I was just like when is this going to be over but hey I would agree I think that the second one is a stronger movie um but yeah they're they're just I don't know yeah this that a torture porn I, yeah I'm definitely 
have definitely outgrown it and i was just like yeah this is just not hitting at all um yeah there's this movie i watched called grotesque which is a japanese movie um i watched that in college which is a it's a torture porn movie basically it's about this uh couple who i think they're on their first date and they get attacked by a man and they wake up and they're in a basement um where they just get like tortured throughout the entire movie and i think there's one scene where like a guy has his like intestines torn out and they're like maybe like hung up on a hook or something like that and he's like forced to crawl across the ground to like the girl on the other side of the room and it's like and the guy torturing him says something like if you make it to her then i'm gonna let you go but like you have to crawl all the way across the ground and like maybe there's even broken glass on the ground or something i don't know but like um like i'm gonna spoil this movie for anyone listening and for you totally (laughs) (laughs) but like it does this thing that i really loved which is that like um i think he ends up making it across the ground he like makes it to the girl and he i think he passes out like if i'm remembering this correctly like he like passes out from pain and they wake up (laughs) and they're both like in a hospital room and they're both like patched up and the guy comes out and he's like hey i like kept he's like look i know i did some fucking horrible shit but i'm like (laughs) i'm i made a deal with you and you fucking did it so you know i'm i'm cleaning you up and i'm gonna let you go (laughs) um that's that's hilarious yeah and then so i think like they end up going to sleep and then the next day they wake up and they're back in the basement (laughs) and like it was so cruel and i really loved how cruel it was that it was like like it was yeah the meanest thing you could imagine um giving these characters hope um but uh yeah that movie ended on like a weird wacky way where i I think like one of the characters i think like the girl gets her head chopped off and she ends up like her head flies up in the air and then falls down and the guy ends up biting him or some shit like that. Oh my gosh, or maybe I, right. maybe I'm confusing it with how slapstick. I know. Yeah. Stick. It ends on like a weird slapstick note, but I remember like watching that movie and being like, it was the first time I'd watched one of these torture porn movies. And I, and where I thought to myself, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why, why am, what am I, what do I hope to get out of this? What am I trying to achieve here? Um, yeah. I, I felt that way watching those movies. And then, I watched a movie earlier this week. It's a really silly kids horror movie called Vampires vs. the Bronx. Hmm. And it's a it's a vampire movie that's about gentrification. And I'm going to okay. spoil some things about this movie. And so one of the things that the vampire says to one of the kids in this movie, she's like, we chose the Bronx because no one cares when you guys, when people like you disappear. And yeah. I was just like, like, I feel like this is such a better written movie than like <laughs> the four hours of Hostel I just watched. Yeah. So, yeah, this has a little bit more to say than... I mean, Hostel is just kind of like... It's kind of the purge, too, where it's just like, oh, the rich prey upon the poor sort of thing. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, murder tourism. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's it then, right? Yeah, that, that's, episode that's, yeah, that's episode 13. 13. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, next week is your turn to uh, decide what we're going to watch. Just to just to clarify, are we? Going oh wait, to no, no. Next final next, destination. Yeah, next week is final destination. Then after yeah, that, I was gonna say, I, like, okay. I am excited. Final destination three. Yeah, destinationing. Uh, this one I've actually seen too before, so um, I'm interested to see if I think it is as good the second time around. Um, For sure. Also, I feel like one of the problems with these movies that I'm realizing watching them 
watching all of them is uh like if you're the characters just are, are terrible <laughs> like they have to make better ter- <laughs> they have to make better characters like if it, it feels like death if the if the stakes are life and death it's not enough unless i care about these characters like yeah. um but we'll get into that so totally yeah anyways uh follow well, well before yeah, oh, yeah, yeah go, go you ahead do the all right. You can follow us at on Twitter at VagueZone, at, at VagueZone. You can follow us on there. You can email us at VagueZonePod at gmail.com. So if you have suggestions, questions, tips, feedback, you just want to just, just list movies and just have a list, and we'll yeah. read that list. You want to tell us to fuck off? Go ahead. <laughs> Shout out care. to the Vague <laughs> Throw those notes into the Vague Zone, and we will answer back, maybe or maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, take care. Yeah, and see you next time. See you next time. Bye.